conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved with punk, but had their life changed by the genre punk in a major way. And today on the show, one of the biggest punk rockers I know, Scott Punk Rock Vogel himself, from the band Terror, from the band Despair, from the band Slugfest, from uh, from uh, one of my, uh, uh, Cinder Block, from Fade Away, from uh, Buried Alive. The the list goes on and on. Probably most famous for his punk band Manic Depression. But more on that in one second. First, if you want to get in touch with me, head over to the email address turnoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com. That is run by my brother and show producer and guest booker extraordinaire, Tristan Abraham, and you will get the message to me. You can also find me on various forms of social media at left for Damien. Support the show by telling all your friends about it, letting everyone know that you know that we have this podcast where we talk about punk rock with people like Scott Vogel. This is actually Scott's second appearance on the show. I should have said that off the top. But I, I'm just so excited to put over the fact about his love of punk rock. So, um, and yeah, that's how you can spread the word. You can also subscribe to it and rate it on the platform that you're listening to this thing on, or head over to turnedoutapunk.com and grab a t-shirt for the show. I played in I play in a band. We're called Fucked Up. You can find out more information about tour dates and upcoming record releases over at fuckedup.cc. Got a bunch of stuff coming out, a couple new records that should be hitting, hitting uh, shelves soon. Talk about it with Scott in a second, so might as well spoil it here too. Uh, and that's, uh, that's that. All right, on to today's show. Today on the show, my buddy, my pal, Scott Vogel is back for a part two. Uh, very excited about this one. Scott's episode, his part one is one of the best episodes. If you have not heard this thing... Go back and listen to it. It's one of the early episodes. It's in the second year of the show. I think it's episode 60, around there. Uh, and you'll hear Scott and I have a great time hanging out with each other in Toronto. I love going on tour with him and playing shows with him and just being at shows with Scott. Or Yeah, he's a, he's a, a fun guy to hang out with. And you will hear that here on this podcast. His band, Terror, is constantly on the road. They are currently in Europe playing shows all over the place. I think I don't know where they're playing tonight. They're playing in the garage in London, I believe, coming up. They find out more information on Terror on any social media platform. Scott Vogel himself is also on social media. Terror have a brand new record called Pain Into Power, available now on Pure Noise Records. Uh, fantastic record. Definitely recommend picking it up. Definitely, definitely recommend going to see this band live whenever you can. And uh, that's about it. I'm not going to ramble on anymore. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Scott Vogel on Turned Out a Punk. Scott, welcome back to the show. You were one of the first podcasts I ever did. Do you remember this? Oh my gosh, yes. I actually, uh, it has remained one of my favorite and and I think a lot of people's favorite episodes ever of the show. Stop lying, please. I, dude, I just re-listened <laughs> to it today and I'm like, this is amazing. And I'm like now worried how we're going to even compare. You know, this is going to be like all the sequels. 
I remember I was a little buzzed after our show somewhere in Canada. Yeah. In the van. Yep. In Toronto. And, uh, all right. We were both exhausted. What, what was the year? Oh, is this one we were touring together? No, no. It was after that. This would have been, I think, the second year of the show. So 2015? Jesus Christ. Yeah. It was a long time ago. Time, time flies, my friend. Time does fly, but now we are back and, uh, you know, like even outside of the podcast, you're one of my favorite people to talk to and bug and punish and the like. So, you know, now we get to do it on recording again. Uh, how's, how's, I guess I've never done this on a podcast before, but how's tour? <laughs> it's, it's been really good. I mean, we're, we're on tour the last day, so it's like day 22. So that aspect is, and you know, we're all older now, so everyone's very much looking forward to being done. Yeah. But it's been, we, you know, we have a new record out, so that's, that always gives a little burst of life to, to the band. And um, honestly, uh, show-wise aside, the vibe within the band is really good. Everyone's really happy, and, um, you know, there, there's definitely been tours where everyone's kind of, miserable and staying away from each other and drunk and hung over and not getting stuff done and uh shit like that but the vibe in the actual band is really good and that's that that makes the whole thing just go much smoother i definitely found that with uh even my band after covid kind of coming back to it you know having having to stop where i think everyone's a little more appreciative of it yeah i think that and, you know, obviously we've toured so much to get, like you're saying, to have a break from each other, you, you know, you get on each other's nerves after so much time. But now that we've got to spend some time apart, it, it like you're saying, it's actually like nice to be back. Everyone's got new stories to tell. And we still got Toronto's finest Jordan Posner. I know he actually I, I've been trying because like it wasn't supposed to be this long between our episodes. I've been trying to do an episode with you and him, but he's ducking. Oh, please. <laughs> he yeah, won't he doesn't do want, you, I somehow some way like get him on the show and then all of a sudden me and Ben Cook pop up <laughs> and he'll, he'll just hang up. It'll be a running and he'll hang up. It'll be, he'll, he'll duck out of the ring and, and roll the floor. I got to say though, since we talked uh, and you, I, I feel like you are a champion of the city, but there has been a Buffalo Renaissance, a cultural Renaissance in Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, it's I'm, I mean, I don't want to downplay LA or take anything away from my time there, but I'm so happy. I moved back. It's the city, you know, everyone talks about the winter, but I, I'll take a winter and snow over heat any day. Like we were just in Texas. I'm in Arizona. It's, I think, 97 out today. We played outside in Dallas the other day and it was like, it was fucking hell. I don't, I don't mind the winter. I'm not a beach guy. I definitely don't want big crowds of people or Hollywood life. So to be back in Buffalo, it's beautiful. It's cheap. Um, obviously, the like the whole Griselda thing has given shine to Buffalo, um, and the hardcore scene. There's really good bands. The scenes. I think I'm a little bit spoiled because I remember Buffalo when I lived there before, 
and the scene was big like you know a smaller show would be 200 people a bigger show could be you know like shelter would be like 600 people quicksand anybody even like some of the lowest snap case you know like we would big shows um now some shows are like 50 people 100 people so that's not to say it's bad because the, the people that are there are great and the bands are great so um but and also la is so the scene is so big every show is so big so it's a little readjusting for me and i don't want to take the attitude of like where is everyone because you gotta you gotta deal with what you got and make it better but um yeah i love being back and the city's awesome and i'll tell people it's the greatest place on earth and most people just laugh at me but that's okay yeah, like it feels, you know, and, and obviously the Griselda thing being huge, but I think also like, you know, uh, the, the Butcher and the Blade in wrestling, like there's a lot of stuff yes. in, that's popping off, you know, from that city. And I've always loved going to Buffalo. Like to me, it's always been, well, it's the home of the hits, you know, it's like where you're from. It's where like, you know, Snapcase were from. Like to me, it was always like, that was like my New York, I guess, you know, I guess Detroit too, you know, cause we were so close to Detroit. So we'd hear a lot of stuff about cold as life and stuff, but like, you know, for me, it was Buffalo hardcore or Tuffalo who coined Tuffalo. <laughs> I want to, my guess is rat boy, maybe Andy Williams. Okay. Speaking of the butcher and the blade, but the first time I remember it is rat boy, who was the original, maybe. The OG drummer of Every Time I Die, I, can't, I think he's the original drummer. Um, he created Tuffalo Fest. I think this, this thing in between in my skull here is pretty, pretty shot. So anything I say is subject to correction. But I'm going to say Rap Boy. You just make more legend every time, though, Scott. Like it just makes it like, you know. What about, what, was Steve Titus? Because I remember, was it in his zine back then, too? I don't remember Steve Titus having a zine, but I will tell you this. He did, I think, I'm, write for Hello, My Name Is, which I'm holding that's in my Mark Mill. That's he Mark a, Miller. He has a column He's in a columnist in there? Yeah. Who is that I, on the cover? Was that Joe Orlando? I think on this one, maybe. With the base? We can go through all the covers if you want. I think I have everything but the first issue. That's the dude from Plague with Rage. Is. That's Garlip and uh, Mark Miller. And then on the, who's that? Like Los Crudos or something? Singer of Hyrax. Uh, out of my realm. And then, and look at this. Look at the flyer on the back of this. Apocalypse 97. Look at this lineup. Uh. Despair, Envy, <laughs> Buffalo Union, No Reason, Buffalo Lockjaw. Uh, I don't know X-Pride X. I don't remember them. And Counter-Strike. Can I break some things down on this? Break it down for us. Well, back to Steve Titus uh, on this tour. So let's say three weeks ago, we played in Buffalo. He was at the show. A, a lot of people came out of the, I don't want to say came out of the woodwork, but that I haven't seen in a while over there. He was one of them. He's a chef now. He looked good. He looked strong. He looked healthy. Uh, I did not see him in the mosh pit, but <laughs> maybe, maybe yeah. he was. Um, X Pride X was this dude, Jeff. Who, uh, if do you know that the Buffalo podcast, Nickel City podcast? I've listened to a couple episodes. Yeah. If you ever need a good podcast, listen to his. It's Jeff from Pride. He has a great personality and and was told great stories. And he's also now a uh, uh, 
fuck, man. He like is like an animal guy that has like animals crawling on him and he's on like late night shows with like birds and things on his arms. I don't know what you call this, but that's his job. And he's who's the the late night guy that has the roots as his backing band? Uh, Jimmy Fallon. He's right. been on that show and he met the roots and he loves Gangstar. So, whoa. So uh, he's like, he's like, the new, he, he's like the new, uh, what was that guy? Steve, Steve Irwin, right? Type yes. Oh. What, whatever. So he's probably seen some people got bit. Maybe he's got some lawsuits, but <laughs> okay. That was pride. Now what I know about that show is, uh, does it have a date? Is it like the summer of 96? It's Apocalypse 97, July 23rd. Yeah, 1997, okay. I assume. I thought it was 96. That was, um, let's call it the final show of the Despair Hate Breed summer tour. We did a, a tour through the whole U.S. I think it was like six weeks. The tour ended in Salt Lake, I want to guess, somewhere in, like way on the West Coast, not California, though. And that show got booked and we drove like 24 hours, 48 hours straight from, let's just say Salt Lake to that show. That's how fucking crazy we were. And I would still do that again. So I'm still that crazy. Fuck it. Well, that kind of brings up an interesting thing. Like I want to talk to you about despair because we kind of ended the last episode just as despair was kind of getting going. Um, you know, and the rumor I remember hearing around this time was that despair was going to sign to victory. You know, and you mentioned being on tour with Hatebreed. That's before Hatebreed had signed to victory. But it feels like, you know, like Despair, you know, just missed what would have been like a perfect time for Despair to have put out a record on Victory Records. You know, like it would have been timed around, you know, Satisfaction of the Death of Desire and Blood for Blood and sort of this whole wave and this return of sort of like heavy hardcore, which Buried Alive, you know, gets into later on. But like Despair would have been there at the perfect time for it. Yeah, this is a, I'll give you a long answer because th there's a lot of details involved here. So on that tour, we played in Chicago. Uh, and at that time, um, for a band like Despair, Victory would have been the perfect home. Snap Snapcase was already on Victory. So they had like, you know, a connection to Buffalo. I remember we played in a VFW. I'm sure Jim Grimes booked the show. Tony was there. Uh, I remember he watched our whole set. And Chicago was a place that was always good to despair. And we had a really good set. And I remember we, we covered Judge. Uh, I can't remember what song. But I remember he just, like, shook his head and left the room. Like, I, I think I, if I was reading him correctly, he's like, you don't need a cover. You have your own songs. This is childish. And he left the room. Um, obviously, Hatebreed on that tour was just like, they had the demo out. They had the uh, the under the knife seven inch out. I don't think maybe the split with in, uh, integrity, maybe not. No, that came later. Were, I think neglect maybe or something. Maybe and they, they were just this. They were like, and this is before the internet, so it's just like word of mouth. Like, what is Hatebreed? Oh, it's the heaviest band in the world. They're the biggest assholes in the world. They're the <laughs> hardest, meanest. They're gonna kill you. And then they would show up and be the heaviest, biggest assholes and put on the craziest show and you never heard a hardcore band tune that low and play that hard. And everywhere we went, whether it was either 70 kids or 300 kids, they just destroyed, they floored everybody. Mm. So at the Chicago show, I'm, I'm sure that's what happened to uh, Tony. 
anyways, the end. So towards the end of that tour where I was just talking about, we played in uh, Riverside, California. Strife booked the show. It was a great, great fucking show. It was Strife, Hate Breed, uh, Despair. And it was supposed to be Spawn from Germany, but they didn't play the show. They're on the flyer, though. Um, at that show, Tony Victory flew out to the show. He literally signed Hate Breed right there. And he offered Despair to do a seven inch. And we said, yes, of course. So after that, uh, we drove to Buffalo, like I just told you. We played that show. We had a little time off. We went to Europe. And that was the, the, the demise of the band. And Europe, like maybe touring two months back or two, maybe three months back to back. At the end of the tour, uh, two people quit the band. And that was it. And so the, the victory thing just went in the garbage. Um, I'm sure I can't remember, but I'm sure I was like heartbroken. Like my band was going to be so awesome on the amazing victory records. And now we just ruined it. But that's kind of why when, um, you know, whatever, a year later, whatever, six months later, buried alive, got together. I already had that relationship with them. I sent them the demo and they were into it right away and put the seven inch out right away. So that's why that kind of came together so quickly because that was like kind of, in place if that's the right term yeah it's uh you know we talked about this last time but it's like you and chris collian i find very similar you know and obviously with terror you found a stable band and hopefully with sect chris has found kind of a stable band but you guys are like these these lifers that uh you know are going to make your art no matter what but uh kind of have to you know keep finding new ways to do it each time and you know it's, it's it's sort of like the rug being pulled out from underneath you yeah, all my, I mean, since you brought him up, he's a fucking amazing human being, and I love him and look forward to any time I see him. I think he's the only person that still calls me Scott Slugfest sometimes, <laughs> which, so I'm, <laughs> which, which I'm totally fine with that. Um, and I think it's really cool. He's got like a discography of bands that there's no like big holes in it, or he didn't do this weird like costume change where he like became a different person. He's just like very set in his ways and always does it his way and people really appreciate that um as for me all my bands up to terror would just like excuse me get a little bit of momentum and then you know whether it was people got girlfriends and they didn't want to do it they wanted college they didn't like touring they didn't like how crazy i was and i was too much of an asshole all the bands just broke up somehow with fucking terror i'd like never i never saw this coming that we were going to do it. It's been fucking 20. What's year? It's been 20 years. It's fucking mm-hmm. insane. It's insane. Yeah. I remember Mike and I living in our house together right around fucked up forming and ordering the first seven inch, uh, multiple copies. And there was one that came with like no stamp on it. And there was a big fight over who got that one. Like that's the other thing. Like despair is such <laughs> a huge influence. <laughs> such a cl- you're so, we'll get to that in one second, but you're such a record collector. It's insane. Like, Dude, look at you my- would. <laughs> You would hate you would hate the things that have gone through my hands that I'm just like, eh, just give it to this. Pro- I, I, I hate it, too. But I've had so many records that I just don't I don't even know where they went. I just don't care. I, I like it's but to me, I like, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, like I obviously can't stop myself from collecting stuff, but it's also a burden. You know, like this stuff like weighs right. so much on me. Like, should I just sell it? Like, should I get rid of it? You know, like, what's the point in, like, 
Because then, you know, like having had to clean out my mom's house when she passed away, like eventually your possessions become someone else's burden. And I got a whole <laughs> lot of fucking burden for people. Ha- have you seen Kitzel's record collection? No, but I've heard stories that it's pretty it's, spectacular. Yeah, I lived with him for, let's say, a year. He would get records in the mail every day, boxes yeah. and boxes of records. And to his credit, he would listen to every single one of them and then archive wow. it or whatever. Yeah. And and Jordan has always told me that Mike is like a real despair fan, which is oh, absolutely uh, huge. Surprising. Huge. No, I don't like <laughs> if you... Uh, like, obviously, I don't think our new 12 inch that's coming out, I'll send you uh, the songs on it so you can hear that. Because I think maybe the the crunch is there a little bit more. But really, we, yeah, Mike wore the despair crunch shirt. I'm going to say for like a good six years straight, <laughs> like it's his only T-shirt. <laughs> um, but then he like, uh, you know, you guys, they saw you before because you played the 360 before that. I was away when that show happened. Um, but then despair came and i think you guys did it was already announced that you were breaking up because i think you did the two last shows you did toronto on the day before new year's and then buffalo on new year's or something for the last despair Ooh. shows and i think it was like the last despair shows how it was promoted huh that would be new year's of 97 uh i think the last despair show in buffalo was at the mercury theater with like earth mover and maybe man i don't fucking know that's I don't a sick know. band though earth mover <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they sure are. Sure were. Were, yeah. <laughs> they were, um, you know, they were, they were another band that around that time when hardcore started getting uh, heavier again. You know, it was almost like pro- post the initial sort of youth crew revival when people started wanting like, uh, you know, like harder stuff. I wanted the harder stuff. <laughs> you always did, but you also <laughs> love the soft stuff. I know. Like, did you see uh, Elliot's playing in St. Catharines or something? Yeah, dude. The uh, Alexa on Fire. They're doing the Alexa on Fire tour too with them. Yeah, dude. I won't be around. It fucking pisses me off. You know how you're going to be on tour? I think, yeah, somewhere. I, I checked. I keep seeing Elliot shows. Elliot is a band. I Chris Higdon and Falling Forward and Elliot is some music I fucking love. If it like was Falling love. Forward, yeah, if it was falling forward, then we'd have a real problem. I've seen Elliot enough to, to get my fill, but they're a band I would travel for. But they keep dates keep popping up, and I can't land one where I'm going to go. Now, I've said for years, one of the only bands I've never seen that I really want to see is Sunny Day Real Estate. I think I'm going to go see them in Cleveland. Now, it's I'll keep saying I'm going to go see him in Cleveland, but will I really pull the trigger, drive down there and go? I hope so, but there's always a chance I fail. Well, that's the thing. You love, you love like, like emo stuff. I guess like, like like the classic kind of terminology of emo. Lifetime, Texas, the reason, Sunny Day Real Estate, Sam I Am, Rival Schools, anything Walter does. That's, uh, and even now like Citizen, that's like what I listen to more than anything. It's not Madball, Hatebreed. I still listen to that stuff, but usually I'll go for something a little more mellow. But like, what is it about that stuff in particular? Because you also, and we didn't even really get into this last time, but you kind of hate punk. (laughs) Please, please don't put this out to the world. (laughs) But you made it perfectly clear that you kind of like, don't like punk, but like the stuff you're bringing up to me, like, 
everything we're talking about from e-town concrete to to the, the the manic depression demo you know like that's all punk to me but like i know for you there's like stuff that's cool like i don't mean cool like cool i mean stuff you like and then stuff that you're like no that's no, no place for this uh, all right let me let me try to break all this down so when i first got into music it was all because of my brother and he was really into punk looking listening so i've gone to a lot of punk shows one of the first shows dead milkman was one maybe the first show i went to and i like them they're amazing um, that is big awesome. lizard in my big lizard in my backyard that's an album right yeah well that, yeah and, and that's tom DeLong's first show like there are a lot of people's first show i think or first shows so that's my first time to the river rock seeing them uh social distortion uh mommy's little monster great record group sex great record um but that's a hardcore uh, record group sex chill out bro come on <laughs> what <laughs> that's a hardcore record that's a hardcore record dude in toronto not in buffalo <laughs> maybe not in tuffalo i guess <laughs> uh that's we're getting black is you're gonna say black flags a hardcore record too to me that damage that's punk um so that's like my oh descendants if that's like poppy to me but if that's punk i like that but a lot of that stuff, any of the like bad religion stuff, no thank you. Like the whole epitaph world, no thank you. Um, my brother, who is so into punk, he's like kind of pushed me in the direction of the newer exploited stuff that's really heavy. So pretty cool. Only new exploited stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about uh, the so Buzzcocks? I don't know what that is. I think that's like <laughs> U UK kind of like skinheady. No, I don't you, know. no, no. It's like it's like <laughs> power pop. It's like super catchy, melodic. No, I don't know. What about I'm super chunk? With... I like super touch. <laughs> Have you? Heard, I think you like super chunk. <laughs> See, some of the stuff I might like, but no thanks. What about this tape right here? The manic depression. Did we talk about how I played a show with them? Yeah, you told us last time <laughs> that you played drum for it, and I told you I had the demo, and I wanted to show you that I, <laughs> there's no lie there. Uh, so this is this is stuff I'll never remember, but my brother has a really good memory, and he'll tell you that I played a show for them. And if you know me, that's, you know, that I played for is kind of whatever. But they were on the Buffalo podcast, and they asked them, and I think they were like, nah, I don't remember that. So maybe I didn't play a show with them. Oh, wow. Okay. Myth busting <laughs> yourself right there. <laughs> so what about like uh, a veil and stuff like that? Do you like a veil? Because they kind of sound like hot water music E, you know, uh, before you said the hot water music word, I was going to say hot water music likes them. So I like them, but I don't, I don't know. Leatherface. Same, same <laughs> answer. <laughs> I like the bouncing souls lyrics. Yeah, I got some. They got some good lyrics, but it's it's a little little too. Uh, I don't know. I got I got like hard. I got hardcore. I got like post hardcore emo shit, hip hop, classic rock. I got enough. I don't. I don't need punk. Do you like Fugazi though? Like any of that kind of era? No, stuff? no, 
Fugazi came to Buffalo. I love, you know, I love Minor Threat. Yeah, yeah. Fugazi came to Buffalo for the first time and walked off stage because people were stage diving. That, like, not even because of the whole more stage dive Scott Vogel stupidity, but back then, I was, like, watching Another State of Mind. That was my, that was what I knew about Minor Threat, the insanity. Then they come to Buffalo and try to tell Ed, tell everyone and they walked off stage i was like you're get out of my life were you one of the divers i don't think so i hope so i don't think so but sure uh speaking of infamous shows you mentioned shelter earlier were you at that shelter riot show i was but i wasn't there for the insanity what was it like uh members of chokehold in the van with i i think someone was doing an interview with them right or something when it started kicking off yeah, so I know the venue I drive when I go to Dunkin' Donuts every day. Um, I drive past Randall's studio on Main Street. Um, and it was a really big venue. Like I was saying earlier, Buffalo, like the scene was so fucking big. So um, yeah, I I know the story. I was at the show, but I wasn't there for the uh insanity. That's also um we talked about Tony victory before this, not, not uh, part of the podcast. We did talk a little bit about when you said we got signed to it, but we didn't talk about the awake seven inch that I have with the letter from Tony victory in it. (laughs) The the first time I met Tony victory, uh, I was booking a show at Randall's. I didn't book many shows in my life, but I did book a show there and it was like local bands and I got Snapcase the headline and he must've flown into for the show. And I can't remember exactly what happened, but, there wasn't really guest list at that time that didn't really exist. And he came to the show expecting to get in for free. And I was like, no. And then probably let him in. Cause he was pretty intimidating. He looked crazy shaved head, like a big, I remember it was in the winter, but I remember my first thing with Tony victory was I wouldn't let him to the show. And he was uh, appalled by that. It was probably like $4 too. <laughs> yeah. Pro- probably $5. <laughs> it's really not that much, Tony. <laughs> that kind of like, I think that was your first warning sign. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> I still, you know, I have a good relationship with him. And I and uh he's, you know, I won't say he's done everything perfect in life, but by me he's always been good to me and all and, you know, my band's never sold enough records to like get all up in arms about royalties and stuff like that. So, I have a good relationship with him. He's fucking crazy though, but maybe that's why we can talk to each other. <laughs> well, and also an amazing lead singer. Even score is fucking oh, sick. Hell yeah agreed did they ever roll through buffalo or no i don't think they tour no. much no i know i've never seen him on stage but if i ever want to i'll open that only the strong comp pictures where the club blitz photos of even score or maybe then it was life cycle and they look so fucking cool yeah <laughs> i've heard chicago was an incredibly hairy scene historically and there were some like real wild kind of like tough people kind of hanging around shows there what were shows like early shows you went there like the, the this this isn't chicago but one of my first memories of chicago was uh this ties back to your area too uh slugfest earth crisis in chokehold played a show in detroit at like the coffee ground it was like a, this coffee for anyone that knows Chicago history, they had like a coffee spot on a campus and they did shows uh, that dude, Eric Z did the shows there. And now does like a skateboard company or some sort of Element, skateboard believe, thing. Right. Yes. Um, so 
this was just meeting Earth. You know, the All Out War 7-inch came out. They came to Tim Redmond's house and stayed the night. And then we kind of carpooled together and met Chokehold there and had like a, you know, that's a pretty fucking cool lineup for, let's say, 92, 93. I don't know what year it was. But my first intro, you know, this is no internet. No one knows anyone. No one talks to anybody. All you know is fanzines. You see pictures of shows in different cities. And at that show, about like 20 kids rolled in with all Chicago straight edge varsity jackets and all the, you know, they look pretty fucking cool and intimidating. And that's like my first introduction to seeing Chicago was like all these kids with varsity jackets, all Chicago straight edge. They had like 10 zines for sale there. And then after that show, Slugfest was in all those zines next episodes because I'm sure they all took pictures. Um, so that's my first memory of Chicago hardcore. I want to do a book of just Slugfest interviews because I have so oh, I have like no. over a hundred. Please, please don't, <laughs> please don't do that. See if Shining Life Press will put out the uh, Slugfest <laughs> interview anthology book. Please put those in the garbage can. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny too because like it's it's one of the few places that you know like now everyone's documented their whole life, but like. Punk is one of the, you know, before this was one of the few places that you like, you do an interview at like 16 years old and some kid's going to bring it up to you like 12 years later or, or like five years later, be like, Hey, look at what oh, you said God. when you were a kid. I can't even imagine the stuff I said. Ugh. Uh, it's, did you, you did a zine though, right? Many. Yeah. Um, back when I was in Buffalo. I had a zine called Deception that was only one issue and it had ZT on the cover, of course. But the, the zine I did the most back then was Living Fanzine with Joe Luca, who was uh, mostly known for being in Copper. Um, and he started the zine. It was a Living Skate zine. And he was like the only other hardcore kid in my high school with me and my brother. And uh, then after a little bit, me and him did, I don't know, like six or seven issues. And it was super focused on hardcore. He was like vegan and we would do the zine on a typewriter in his basement, make falafel, go to Kinko's, print out the zine, sell it at shows. And then uh, down the line, we kind of lost our way. I was partying more. He went super Krishna and, and did, did a couple more without me, but that was the zine that I am most, my zine memories go to doing living with Joe Luca. And that's another thing about moving back to Buffalo. Like I hadn't talked to him in like, I don't know, 20 years. And then we uh, reconnected on the almighty Instagram and we would talk a lot. And I swear to God, when I moved back to Buffalo, Within a fucking week, I went to Target. I'm fucking rolling a cart down the hall or the fucking aisle. Me and him just walk right into each other. I was like, <laughs> holy shit. And now we have like a little, uh, we haven't done it in a while since music's been, I've been busier. But when I was home, we would meet at Delaware Park and we just go for walks and talk shit. And like, that was like our, our old man routine. And actually we got fucking Mark from Zero Tolerance. He met us and took a walk <laughs> with us once. So Garrett came once. So we have a little walking club. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, the uh, from stage diving clubs to walking clubs. <laughs> <laughs> what a world. 
What were the early Connecticut shows like when you played Connecticut? You know, mentioned being on tour with Hatebreed. That's another place where you have some pretty wild shows back then. If you look in the, I think it's the Under the Knife CD version, there's like a base, a little one of those little baseball bats and blood all over the floor somewhere. That was a show that <laughs> uh, Despair played with Hatebreed. I don't know if it was from the tour or just another show, but violent, crazy. I mean, but you know, Buffalo danced hard, but we didn't have like these super intimidating hard asses, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, but when you went to places more like Boston, Connecticut, even like Newburgh, like the all out war area and stuff like that, you, the people got a little bit bigger and a little bit meaner. And uh, kind of like when Mike Trance, do you, do you know Mike Trance? I don't think so. No. So he, he's a, Troy core kid and he went to school at Buff State so when he came to Buffalo it was like who the fuck is this and how does he possibly dance this hard and I better become friends with him before he kills me yeah and uh so uh another funny Connecticut story is despair I probably bought a shitty van for like $500 we played a show at this the, the Bristol skate park and after the show the van wouldn't start so I took the plates off, gave the keys to Josta. We rented a U-Haul, drove home in that. And I think Josta thought he was going to like get whatever fixed on it and have a van. He was like, dude, this thing is beat and just had to get, I think he had to get it. I think he had to pay money to get it towed because it had to get it out of the parking lot. But that, you know, we, we were talking about that bands. Everyone's got a nice van now. Like we used yeah. to tour in vans that were like, probably not going to make it, but we got to try. I think a lot of people rent stuff now it seems more yeah. too yeah you know because i guess that's the thing when you're a, a kid you're like oh let's just buy a van <laughs> and then you're like we have this money pit now that's just like unless we're going on tour constantly we're just paying for this thing the first terror tour we ever did it was uh with death threat and over my dead body i think and uh i rented a uh minivan and we took it to some like shady place that put a trailer hitch on it and we pulled the u-haul or uh, the trailer like rented a u-haul trailer in this minivan the whole tour and uh eventually i think we were in like indiana the engine exploded because it wasn't supposed to, to fucking pull that so we had to like take the hitch off and call the rental place and i can't remember but they were like Oh, and it was also like a rental where you couldn't leave California. Like <laughs> it was unlimited miles in California. Yeah. And they were, they were going to like, you're in Indiana. We're going to charge you for all this mileage. How much mileage do you have? And I'm like, Oh my God, 10,000 miles. So I went and it was on my credit card or debit card. I went and just closed my account. <laughs> and so they couldn't like charge it to the account. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's amazing like the stuff you'd had to do to be in like a punk band and a hardcore band like phone dialers whoa 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 whoa, whoa. <laughs> i tried whoa. to slip it in i tried to slip it in there <laughs> you don't see though how it's connected you don't see like that they're it's all like one world I, buddy i do it's just it's now it's just like a joke to me yeah yeah it's really it's really just the whole anarchy mohawk fuck the world vibe that's just not really my vibe but it i i get it i definitely get it 
What about like in New York though, right? Because in New York, you, you you see how it goes from that like to to New York hardcore. You know, like there's a uh, you know, like all that stuff is like on top of each other, right? So you can really see the correlation between punk and hardcore there. I'm super posy, bro. I know, Buzzy Scott. <laughs> so that's the other thing that comes up. You're like one of the only dudes that kind of existed in all the worlds at once, you know? Like, not that punk world, obviously, because you want no part of it. But, you know, the fact is, like, you Buried Alive would go on tour with Elliot. You know, I saw you with Elliot in Toronto, at least. And, uh, you know, but you could also play with All Out War. And you could also play and, and do shows with, you know, Colt's Life or, or like, you know, you could be with all these different kind of worlds and it, and it would still, you were the guy that could kind of be friends with everybody. I guess Josta too. Jamie's the same way. I think you got to be kind of open-minded, you know, says the closed-minded anti-punk guy. But <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I loved, I love split lip as much as I love stigmata. And uh, I wanted to play shows with both of them and I wanted to befriend both of them and get in their heads and interview them for my zines and all sorts of shit. So I mean, you know, too, like back in the day, Split Lip was as much as a, of a hardcore band as Despair was like they there was there was not all these other worlds. It was just kind of like. Is, is it safe to say that? I don't know if emo is the right word, I guess, if I say post hard, hardcore, I'm answering my own question. But is it safe to say that everybody that started in the first emo bands came from hardcore? Is that oh, absolutely. True? Yeah, a thousand percent. Okay. Yeah, like like and uh, like you look at like all the bands you brought up earlier, right? Like from Elliot to you know Quicksand to even Fugazi to it's it's this is sort of like it seems like it's always like a reaction to when shit gets too heavy, too violent. There's like a certain group of people that kind of lean into the emotional side and are like, okay, well, we're going to do this thing that's completely a reaction to it. Like even mm-hmm. Lifetime, right? Like. Uh, you know, when Dan was on the show, he talked about it and, and Ari, when he was on the show, talked about how this was like their deliberate way of kind of confronting how violent shows were getting. On this tour right here that we're doing <laughs> in the Detroit show, uh, never ending game played, pain and truth played. And I was playing for them the first lifetime seven inch saying the, the breakdowns are as hard as hate breed. Now, maybe I went a little too far. But I stand by anyone that's listening to this. Check out the first. I think it's the self-titled Lifetime 7-inch on New Age with the white cover and like a guy in jail or something. A j- uh, drawing. List every single song. You know, it's got the emo Ari verse chorus, verse chorus. And then it goes into these insane E-chug mosh parts. It's crazy. Well, yeah, because they were like crazy good. Well, kids, like, and what was Ari's band that he played drums in again? Fuck, I can't believe I'm a Dare to Defy. Courage. Well, after Courage, he did another one, right? Dare to I don't know. I can't remember. But, I'm blanking. But on I was, re- I was really mad at you. Do you remember I texted you about not bringing up Courage to him? I think he brought it up to you on your episode, and oh, you yeah. didn't know. And I, I didn't was know. Like, How does this guy not know? Well, because I, you know, you can't, you know, Scott. I learned. That's why I do this show <laughs> is to learn. Every time I'm learning, that like, even Scott Vogel had a punk phase. I learned that on this podcast. Oh no, yeah, that dude. Never. <laughs> dude no. I'm looking at the cover of this tape, and it's a kid with blue charged hair that's getting stabbed in the mouth by society. There's a picture of me. My brother has. I'm wearing a. I'm behind a drum set, 
and it's a really fucked up drum set. It's like we, we, you, the, the way me and my brother got a drum set. Did I s- tell this story last time? Yeah. Stealing stuff from our school. So it's a really fucked up drum set in our basement. Behind me is a poster of some kind of punk stuff on the bass drum. There's definitely punk stickers and I'm wearing a slip it in shirt. Yeah. So <laughs> just to listen to like that era of black flag. I did because he did. And yeah. I was just, I was dipping my toe in and seeing what it was all about. But once I found the core, I was like, ah, I don't need that. But were you like a Rollins guy? Cause like later on Rollins became kind of like a, you know, a guru yeah. type figure for people. The only guru I know is from gangstar. <laughs> <laughs> an answer <laughs> oh that's awesome so how did uh buried alive kind of come together were you like friends with the hourglass people like i know despair actually i've got a flyer right here for despair union hourglass and pride again playing a show um so was that the hardcore formal uh no? it was in uh jesse muscato's yeah. basement yeah let me see that who's on there buffalo hardcore formal Okay, that's Despair, right? Yeah. So that's the drummer of Despair, Jesse, and also the drummer of Buried Alive. So I'll give you the whole Buried Alive rundown. So I don't know whose idea that was, but that's where Despair used to practice. Jesse's like, you know, dirty basement. And someone had the funny idea to play a show in there and everyone had to wear dresses and ties. (laughs) So there's there's pictures of that. so despair broke up even before this because it, it ties into this um jesse quits he claims he got kicked out of despair i say he quit despair but he wasn't in the band anymore and then despair broke up um i think i was like all right slugfest was a bust despair was a bust i don't want to do a band right now i'm just gonna chill out um and me and Matt Roberts, who is the guitarist of Hourglass, also started Buried Alive. We started hanging out like just as friends. I think we both started enjoying alcohol at the time more than we should have. So we became drinking partners. So we were hanging out a lot. And I actually think, I don't know if it came first or after, but we got an apartment together. And uh, he started a band with Jesse and Joe Orlando from Hourglass and they, they had buried alive going and uh, they would play, he would play me the stuff. And if you know me buried alive, maybe once my voice got in on it and my, my influence, it became a little more straightforward, hardcore, but in the beginning, like it was more hourglassy and a little more squeaky and a little more convergy. I don't know if it's the right term, hmm. but they were playing me this stuff. And I actually, you know, they asked me to sing for them and I went to practice and I was like, I don't want to do a band. And, but I, I was kind of like, man, cause, and another part of it was Jesse quit despair right when, uh, I think we recorded our album pattern life or whatever. And he quit. And I was like, what the fuck dude? So I was like, he already quit. I don't want to do a band, but I would keep hearing them and they'd keep doing it. And I was like, this isn't exactly my type of music, but I could tell that it's really kind of unique and good and powerful. 
And eventually after a little while I gave in and uh, I joined the band. Everything took off really quick. Like I said, Victory was on board with doing it. We recorded Death of Your Perfect World. And what happened? Jesse quit the fucking band. <laughs> you guys were touring heavy too, though, right? Like I remember Reach the Sky tours. I remember I remember there was a lot of shows. Well, Barry, your second show was in Toronto. Yeah, I think that the picture on the Buried Alive demo of me, I'm like sitting on the drum, like the brick that goes in front of the drums, or I can't yeah. move and with a Dag Nasty shirt on. Right there, yeah, the that, Dag Nasty I, shirt. Yeah, I think that's in Toronto. I think that was taken there at the second show. I think that, um, or is it Miss, it was like Etobicoke or Mississauga. It was like just outside of downtown. And I mean, I guess for me at the time, we were touring heavy, but nothing compared to like Terror's done since then. So, but for, for younger kids, we toured a lot, but you know, we were on Victory, so we got on some cool shows and stuff. But Buried Alive was, oh, you know, we played a lot of shows to like 50 kids. Always. Yeah. Well, I think that's the problem with uh, with punk and hardcore is it's like feast and famine. One night it's amazing. <laughs> the next night it's like 50 kids. Yes. <laughs> but that's why it's only for the hardcore. You got to keep it real, bro. <laughs> well, Scott, I don't want to keep you because you're on tour. You got you got to get ready for tonight's show and everything. Um, but, you know, buddy, anytime you want to come back on here, you can. You don't have to wait seven years. If you want to have me back on to talk about stupidity and the amazingness of um, fate's got a driver or whatever, I'm always I'm always free. But I got? wanted to go through the Buffalo box with you that I have in front of me. My Buffalo seven inch box. All let's right. Get, let's you want to do this. Play- Let's play a game. Okay. I'll rank them one to 10. Against all hope. I think we have uh, two versions of the seven inch. Okay. Do you know that I'm listed as playing drums on that? I didn't and play drums on it. You didn't actually do it. You pr- told us that last time. I think there's that's actually a, a good flyer in the back of this one. Let me see if I can. That's a hidden, it. that's a hidden gem, man. If anyone listening to this doesn't know against all hope, they're kind of like Dag Nasty meets uh, the Descendants meets Iron Maiden and they're fucking amazing. Oh, check out this. This is a great one for you, Scott. In the back of this Against All Hope 7-inch, there, there is a letter uh, mm. uh, sent from the, the person from Round Flat Records to Sean who ordered it. I think I got this in Texas because, yeah, it's sent to a kid in Texas. But it is a flyer for Sons of God, SFA, Bug Out Society, Snapcase, and Izzy and the Vermin. Wow, where is that? ABC No Real? Putnam's. I think in it must New be New York City. No, this must be this is uh Sarah no Fast Eddie, Saratoga Springs. Wow. You should do you know Larry Ransom? Uh well not personally, but I, I I've seen Envy a lot of times. So if you can take a picture of that and send it to me, I'm sure he'd like that because there's a I don't want to say famous, but there's an infamous road trip that Slugfest and Against All Hope did together that we played at Fast Eddie's. That was the first time I ever went, we'll call it on tour, but it was an overnight show. And that was like, kind of like, this is the coolest thing. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. I'm glad I got this flyer then. I will definitely send it. And also it's weird. There's two pressings of the seven inch. I know you hate to hear that kind of stuff, but 
For me, and that's fascinating, Scott. <laughs> are they both on round flat? They're both on round flat, but there's like distinct label differences between the two. And mm. I think this belonged to uh, Mel, uh, Straight Edge <laughs> Mel up in Toronto. Oh, the, the, the female? Yes. Yeah. Oh, cool. Cool. I think, I think I got it off someone who bought it off her years ago. The yeah, white okay. one, the white one with the baby on it. That's the one I know. That yellow one, I looks very. I see that next piece of gold you're pulling. Up. Yeah, same that's record. The one I had. But then on speaking of on white vinyl, despair. <laughs> Initial records, Andy Rich. I love you. If you ever hear this, as we bleed, I bought this from you personally, Scott, at the <laughs> second last despair show at the Elma Combo upstairs in Toronto. All right, what did I charge you? Three bucks? Oh yeah, you did. And you're, I'm like, oh wow, it's on color. You're like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, what labels on this one again? Oh yeah, tr uh, Treadwater Records. It's a, it's a weird fit. The, the cover didn't fit correctly. If, if you size it up to other records, it's a weird fit. But that's a cool layout, and that was uh, uh, a dude I lived with at the time. You know the story on how that record got funded no so he his name was kurt and he was a super vegan warrior and we lived together in kenmore he uh we went and recorded the despair demo and it was like seven songs he was a cart boy at uh tops <laughs> someone left, it was terrible someone left their purse in the cart he found a thousand dollars in their purse and put the seven inch out <laughs> Well, Tops never stops giving you hardcore. Um, and then he he put out the Turmoil 7-inch, which was a gatefold on Treadwater. And that was the end of the label, as far as I know. <laughs> the, cart, the cart money ran out. On on white and pink vinyl for Scott Fax on, on the pressing of that thing. Beautiful. Uh, then we got to bring up the discontent. Hell yeah. I just saw uh, the singer, Tom, at... Uh, you know, there was this sick punk show in Buffalo, Circle Jerks, Negative Approach in Seven Seconds. Yeah, an amazing and hardcore I, bill. I went to it, and I saw him there for the first time in a long time. And uh, I invited him. He's going to be part of the, the walking club when I get home. Oh, man. <laughs> I gotta, we got to do a podcast with the walking club one day. <laughs> I think so. Uh, and once again, there's two slightly different versions of this seven-inch. I was going to ask you about this band because this band never really comes up, but it more, more metal, but Eternal Torment. No clue. Okay. I think they might be. I'm pretty sure they're Buffalo. Half Mast. What's up, youth crew? Nice. Not, people love them all over the world. Very yeah. good. That Plague whole with Rage, too. Third party scene and Plague with Rage, they get a lot of love all over the world. I, like, not want to say I'm surprised, but. Uh, a lot of places you go when you bring up Buffalo, they bring up, bring up Plague with Rage. That's really cool. Was that like kind of a different scene than you? Because you're like, you know, never been straight edge. No, I mean, I went to all the shows and, and supported all those bands and would play shows with all those bands. It just wasn't my like friend circle. I would hang out with like Discontent, Against All Hope. We fade away. We were all like the same bands, interchangeable members. And would hang out and and fuck around. They would I'd never skateboarded, but and go to Denny's and do stuff like that. They were from like the Tonawandas. So it was like the same scene, but different friend groups, but never any weirdness. Mm -hmm. Uh 
And uh, I got to ask you about the OG power trip. Rest in peace, Riley. But definitely this was the uh, the first power trip, the Buffalo huh. power trip. Is that on round flat as well? It's on round flat. Yeah. Hmm. I remember the band. I've seen them on flyers. And uh, I, I don't know. They're out of my brain. I, I know I've seen them. I've known I played with them, but I don't remember. I may even be friends with the people in the band. I can't remember. But yes, uh, love to Riley while we're here. Yeah, love to Riley. That was a that was a great tour. Uh, That's a tour we did together in Power Trip. Yeah, yeah, that was fucking awesome. And uh, yeah, I really miss what, him. That's like it's weird. A, I think about that dude a lot. What a world, dude! It's fucking crazy. Like just uh, we we started putting out. Uh, our kind of like in tribute list to the new record the other day and just like writing down how many people are gone oh. since the last record. It's fucking crazy. That's one of the be- beautiful things about hardcore and traveling. You get to meet so many fucking people, but now we're all getting to an age where things start to fucking go wrong mentally, physically. It's, it's I can't even imagine like, uh, I don't want to think about it. You can hear where I'm going, but I don't think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's like you're saying, it's, it's by virtue of the fact that we do have, you know, like all, all of us have probably more friends on average than the most people just because of by yeah, virtue of traveling, sure. because by virtue of just the way hardcore works. Like you meet people at a fest, you, you make friends around the world. Yeah. And it's uh yeah. The downside of that is of course the, the, what we're talking about. But anyway, let's move on to, to happier stuff. I'm sure a favorite band of yours, slave state. <laughs> <laughs> And I know nothing. Really? Are you like are you like an Eric Elman fan? I, from the... yes, I'm an Eric Elman fan. Okay, I, I got a new band started with him, so be on the lookout. Is it gonna be like a fast hardcore band? You'll fucking see, don't you worry. I hope it's got some punk vibes. Chill out, bro. <laughs> What's slave state? <laughs> slave what? state was just like a, a raging buffalo kind of like hardcore band from what label? Uh, this one, I think, came out on a label from France, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Sludge Records from France. Uh, but this was recorded at the Sims Sound Lab in Buffalo, New York, by Ooh. Alan Sims back in uh, 92, I want to say, 93. doesn't say what on there. But Damn. Out great of my band. Room. Maybe you remember their demo tape. <laughs> <laughs> this is what their demo tape looked like. <laughs> nope. Uh, yo, speaking of stru- structure records comp. Hell yeah. There we go. Beautiful. Gotta bring up these two, these two gems right here. The Slugfest oh. seven inch. Once again, on black, blue, and green vinyl. Rare. That's a that's a big one for me. That's the first time I was ever on vinyl. Uh Chris Logan put it out, so that cemented a a, a USA, Canada love forever. And uh yeah. And uh, honestly, Slugfest was pretty cool live. We weren't like the greatest, but the, the seven inch sounds really good. We got like a really good recording somehow and the energy that captured it. So I think the record's a little bit better than the band was. And uh, the band definitely died too soon. And uh, I wish we could have done a little more because we were really starting to hit our stride, but that's how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, uh, a band that like you know i know you know last time we talked about it, you said you had some sort of mixed feelings about it but the reunion shows when those happen those are shows that kind of just were were legendary and kind of i think you know illustrate a little bit of what you're saying like a band that could have been due for a lot more 
I know you're going to pull out that fucking uh, village people record at some point. Yeah, I've got but, it back here. <laughs> but um, we, uh, I've recently, see, that to me is really cool, but I don't even really know how cool it is. Um, how many of those are there? Like 50 or something? I think it's numbered on it. Let me see. This was like, I told you, this is my signing bonus when we signed to J-Tree. Uh, nice. Tim Owens was like, what do you want? Uh, you know, what do you guys want? And I'm, I don't remember any of the business side of it, but I said, I want a turning point on gold nice. from you, Darren. And I want uh, a village people sleeve of the zero tolerance <laughs> seven inch from you, Tim. And that's what we got as a signing bonus. I think it's numbered. Oh yeah. It's, there's a hundred, 67 out of a hundred, but there's um, also the, the gold one too. I this is what I'm talking about. This means something to you and me, but to my kids, this is just going to be one more thing they have to get rid of when I'm dead. <laughs> I'll say will it to Scott. All this shit goes to Scott. <laughs> uh the um are you aware of Cinderblock? <sighs> of course, structure record comps recording artist. Okay. So we re-recorded some songs recently and it it's it's coming out. And um through that process, uh, you know, I've been talking to Tim Redmond some, you know, and we we've made a pact. If if zero tolerance ever plays a show, which I hope they do, there's like rumblings of it, but I've been really pushing them and trying. I'm like even trying to book the show, but they won't, they're not having it. If they play, I'll do what my best Slugfest is ready if they'll have us to, oh, to play the show. Oh. <laughs> Would that be with Darren Pfeiffer on drums too? That that era? Yeah. There they ZT talks a lot in it for for what it, what I know, you know, I'm not, not that close to the situation. They're going to play a show, hopefully. Um, but, but like, I was like, let me book a fest. I'll book it. Like, just tell me what you need. I'll do it. We'll get it done. And I even was like, Snapcase was down to play. So that would be guaranteed like a, a huge show. Imagine if we could do Snapcase ZT Slugfest in Buffalo. Oh, that would be, I will be making the drive down. We'll go to Mighty Taco. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go to the show. That would be amazing. Every time I see Darren Pfeiffer in Toronto, because he lives up here, or I, I, th I think he still does, uh, I would be like zero tolerance rules. So he probably thinks Toronto has just like so many zero tolerance fans. Because <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, I think that's pretty much the end of of, of stuff. Like I, I don't want to. Uh, I could do the whole Eric Elman subsection of they live. Oh, what about this world rejected? Great. Um... Joe Luca did the layout to that record. Initial put it out. They never played a show, but that's a, a very slept on record. If you're into like, like uh, post, uh, post, uh, post age of coral chromags, like it's really metallic and really heavy. Like try to find that somewhere. It's, it's pretty hard to find. I think hey, you can't even find it on YouTube. But, um, well, cause then all that crazy shit happened with a guitar player. That was the end of zero tolerance. He's not in this band. That's Eddie Malone, who was the other guitarist of ZT. Oh, and I thought he was they, in this. Oh, okay. They put that out and that's when Mark kind of took off out of Buffalo. They actually had a weekend booked. It was like Indiana, Louisville and Detroit. I think I'm sure initial was booking the, the weekend for them. And they asked me to sing for them. And I was like such a Mark Belanca super fan. Like he was, still is like God to me. I was like, I absolutely can't do that. No way. <laughs> you wouldn't cross those lines. 
nope, no way. <laughs> I, I lied. There's one more. The Watchmen. Nice. Fucking rules. Pull the insert out in there. Pull the the poster. You'll see me walking in the pit in there somewhere with a backwards backwards <laughs> hat on. Oh look, there you are. <laughs> That's awesome. What an incredible hardcore history, Scott. And you were the guy that kept it going. Uh, the only one dumb enough to stick it out. <laughs> no, dude, the inspiration to us all. And, uh, you know, like there wouldn't, I, I don't know if there'd be a fucked up without you. Honestly. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know. Mike, like despair was like such, cause chokehold was gone and it was pre the swarm. And so despair was the band, I think for, for us, you know, like that was like the big local band and then buried alive was the big local band because we were so close, like obviously different cities kind of thing, but you know, both those bands played here enough that it felt kind of like a local thing. Well, thank you for all the kind words. Thank you for having me and let's do it again. We can actually talk about terror next time. We're gonna. We got to terror now. <laughs> we finally made it up to terror. The terror timeline. Well, you'll need like fucking ten episodes to get through this fucking nonsense. Holy shit! <laughs> well, I think that's the thing. Is like all your other bands are like what could have been. Terror is what is, and it's mm -hmm. at, at the same time. You know, now you have to deal with the realities of the fact that all your other bands. It's like the relationships just fizzled out at a certain point but now you got to grow old with the people in your band and as someone who's growing old with the members of my band that can be ugly <laughs> oh god what can you do live in a van with a bunch of dudes and see what happens thank you scott for coming on the show and anytime you want to come back on the show and talk about punk rock the door is always open um and uh yeah but once again check out pain into power Check out Terror on Tour. Check out all of Scott's previous bands. He is a legend and a huge inspiration to myself as a vocalist. And very happy to get to do this finally. Oh. All right. On to the next episode. On the next episode of Turned Out of Punk, someone else who's just hopping off a plane in Europe as we speak. My buddy, my pal, Colleen Green is on the show she will be heading over to Europe. Check out Colleen Green's dates uh, on social media as well. And uh, go and see Colleen Green as well. Go and see Tara and Colleen Green. I think that's that sums up why I love punk rock. Because it's it's a, a genre that encompasses, you know, both. We're, we're all here at the punk rock party. Some of us don't like to admit it, Scott, but he's there. He's here with us. All right, that is it for today's show. Remember, as always, Black Lives Matter. The lives of Indigenous peoples matter. We need to protect trans kids and help uh, trans people protect themselves and stop hate and violence towards people of different faiths and different races and different nationalities and just knock all that fascist bullshit out. Because the reality is these are not political issues. These are just basic human rights issues. People deserve the right to be free and live their lives happy and free from hatred and discrimination. Get involved in changing this world. If there's organizations right now that are fighting up good fights, you know, get involved. 
lend your time, lend your money if you can, lend your support to causes and organizations that are doing good work. There's a lot. It's, it's all kind of overwhelming at times. Uh, when it does get overwhelming, try meditating. I know what you're thinking. You know, it's just another person talking about meditation. And I was like you too. I didn't believe in it. I remember reading an article about meditation on a plane one time. And it was talking about like David Lynch and I'm trying to remember who else was there, but it was all these people talking about transcendental meditation. I'm like, yeah, it sounds like a cult to me. And I just did not bother looking into it anymore. And then I now have tried meditating, you know, just generic meditating on an app. And it really has helped me. So maybe it'll help you too. Speaking of helping, uh, do something creative. Anyone can uh, draw a picture for themselves. You don't have to show anyone, but if you do, Go out there and make your own culture because punk is a culture based on participation and getting involved and doing stuff. So start a band, start a fanzine, do whatever you, you kind of, you kind of want to do, you know, choose your own adventure. That's what you do in this thing. And then, you know, maybe it doesn't work the first time. Try and try again. Look at Scott. Look how many times he had to build it all up again with a band. So Go there. It's fun. I promise you. It's fun and exciting. And then it's not. And then it is again. And then it's not. You know, it's a, it's a roller coaster ride. Might as well try it. Speaking of trying something, try signing your organ donor cards. Because by the time they come looking for those organs, you don't need them. They're literally dead weight. And it can be a miracle for someone else. And I think that's it. Uh, stay safe, everyone. And I hope to uh, see you all soon. That was a weird thing to say. I'll see you on the next episode. That's a better way to end this thing. See you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.